21 minutes it is uh, before 8 p.m. You tuned in to a Metro FM talk here on the Mighty Metro. We take your voice notes on the showing by uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa at the State Capture Commission of Inquiry early on today. And you can sit through those voice notes on 079-191-4270. 079-191-4270. Mele Wohang Peku is my guest. Uh, she's a political economist at the Trade Collective and joins me this evening to take a look at that particular showing. Mele Wohang, good evening to you and welcome. Thanks, Bayabong, and to the listeners. Yeah. So I was saying earlier on, just as we were introducing this discussion, that really I guess this conversation happened in two parts. Uh, the one part was the prepared opening statement that the president delivered. Then the other, I guess, was his series of responses throughout the course of today uh, to the uh, uh, questions that were posed by the evidence leaders. Let's maybe start off with that opening statement. Um, I mean, some of your reflections on that, and uh, I guess uh, I was saying also in the context of this narrative of the nine wasted years. Mm. So I think that the one is that the... Politics is very fluid, um, very nebulous, and I think in that this little Ramaphosa is illustrating that in his attempt to distance himself from the past and also his attempt to reframe and he recast himself as the center of a heroic act of, I think, self-sacrificial, um, you know, staying in, um, working from within. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't convince, but I think that there's some interesting things that come out of it. The role of the deputy president in all of this is quite intriguing, isn't it? I mean, we were told mm. that it's really just the leader of um, parliamentary business, but of course, he's also the leader of deployment. Um, he's also the leader of um, ANC discipline, party discipline. And he was also the person who, by the way, um, the person of, 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 of deputy, then deputy president Ramaphosa, who was responsible for overseeing the ESCOM um, re, I don't know, rebooting, I suppose, or reignition mm. when he first came into play. So I think that, um, that, that, there's that there's that component. The other component is really what is the power of the president in the, execu- in the execution of the functions of government? What is the power of the president to then assist or to, of the deputy president to then assist? And to the, what extent, I mean, the Constitution just says that the deputy president is required to assist the president. But it's, it's not really simple, as simple as that, especially because we have such a murky um, line between state power and party mm. power. And I think that everything that happened today at, at the Zondo Commission was an amalgamation of all of those complexities and also quite a lot of, um, a, a, quite a, a robust, acrobatic attempt by Ndate Ramaphosa to really reassign himself a different role in political history. Mm. And, and I guess, you know, a big part of that um, is really, I guess, um, and, it, and this wasn't the first time where he's had to do this, is to sort of shine a spotlight on some of the internal machinations or even internal processes inside of the governing party that influence, I guess, who is appointed in what role. Uh, across the three different tiers of the state. Your assessment of how we handle that, uh, this idea of deployment, and uh, I guess the, the implications of that in the broader project of state capture. So the, role, the whole notion of state capture isn't new to South Africa, and I think that mm. we should probably be mindful of um, reducing ourselves to a spectacular anomaly, and we're not. Mm. Um, And many countries have, in fact, this was, I think the term was actually coined originally in relation to Russian oligarchs, when they had their own transition from uh, communist statism, centralized statism, 
to their form of open open government. I wouldn't call that a mm. democracy per se, but in terms of sure. open government. And many of the vicissitudes that come with the transfer of power, of, of resources, a relaxation of state autocracy and state authority. And of course, the many, the many people who are able to then access um, pro, you know, pro, do their proximity with party politics and party politicians, um, favors, mm. tenders, in a way that is very similar, by the way, to South Africa. So I think when we look at this systemically and looking at what went down in 1994 and the few years preceding and the access and the proximity of power between of power, money, business opportunities and so forth, the BBEEization of the state, we can really, really situate state capture as something that began long before um, the Ndate Zuma years. And I think that what, sure, we really see, sure. what we're seeing playing out at the Zondo Commission is an aggregation of many, many years of different forms mm. of um, state attrition, um, erosion of, 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 of functions, and then a corrosion of, as you say, uh, to go back to your question, a corrosion of um, the, the, three, the three spheres of, of government and the three spheres of power, particularly in relation to deployment. Mm-hmm. Now, now, I guess, you know, the other part, which, um, I mean, the president spoke to in his opening sort of statements, but which was also explored at length, um, you know, in the questions that uh, some, of the, uh, some of the evidence leaders posed, uh, mm-hmm. be it, you know, uh, Mr. Sony or Advocate Paul Pretorius, uh, was this uh, issue that had come up in the testimony of one Brian Mulefe mm-hmm. around the role of the president, um, you know, and his I guess, interest in optimum holdings, influencing some of the uh, decisions of the ESCOM war room. Um, Mm. And the president, I guess, addressing this at length, suggesting he wasn't part of the technical war room, uh, you know, explaining the uh, working of that interministerial committee, but suggesting that uh, the timeline of events uh, was such that, you know, by the time he formed part of these structures, he no longer had an interest uh, in optimum, I guess the big question is: um, is, is that enough uh, to, I guess, suggest that uh, you know there wasn't any sort of conflictual interest here? Well, look, you know, I uh, if, if this this might be convi- this might be convincing in a world where Ndade Ramaphosa was living perhaps um, in a different country um, or in a in a in a space where there were no there were no lights, no newspapers, um, and absolutely no access mm-hmm. to information, um, because I think that it's 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 quite it's 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 not really convincing to suggest that he didn't know where you know he, he doesn't know what happened, he was not aware that that uh, you know that uh, Brian Mulefe was part of was linked to the Guptas, and, and in fact he was the one who nominated him, and and I think one would would, would expect, and I think that a person of that Cyril's standing and 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 and, Nina and his business standing to have done due diligence on 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 Brian Mulefe in advance. I, I think the other thing as well is that you know that he was asked about the removal of ESCOM executives, right? And um, he was asked if he was aware of, of, a, of a meeting that took place, was it in 2016 or 2015, mm-hmm. where Ndate Zuma met with Mayor um and who was, you know, of course, considered to be a, a, a Zuma acolyte of note. Um, and then also, to, the, I think the meeting was also with Zola Tozi. And I think that at this, at this time, that would have formed some kind of a core of... Um, a war room conversation, and that certainly mm. any of the the processes, the machinations, um, and the plans that were in place would surely have been discussed 
amongst even those few people there. It's also that it's also worth bearing in mind, as I mentioned earlier, that in Gadera Maposo was tasked with bringing um, ESCOM back to life. That was one of his first, first assignments when he became deputy president um, post-Nazik. And I remember him uh, coming on, t- on telly um, saying mm. that we managed to get the lights on. The lights are back on. We said we would do it. And look, we have done it. So it, it does not quite convince that this is a person who would have known nothing and who would not have understood who Brian Morelesa truly was or deeply was or is alleged to have been and his relationship. And also that these are folks who know each other from various business circles, um, you mm. know, the lifestyles of the CEO, the, 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 the one, the CEO and the famous. So I think that it's quite important that in the midst of this, that we really are see, that to understand that what we're looking at is not per se a testimony, but I, do, sure. I think that it's really an exercise in, in verbal and political gymnastics. Mm. Last one, on my end, uh, I guess as those verbal and political gymnastics unfold, mm-hmm. uh, might have to do with some of the uh, uh, you know, testimony given in relation to other SOEs um, on two fronts. One, this political sort of, um, and I would say SOE administrative interface between mm. the ANC as the governing party and some of those SOEs. And mm. then, of course, I guess some of the questions that the uh, uh, Deputy Chief Justice Zondo was asking around, uh, you know, issues of performance. I mean, if somebody is placed in a particular role and has consistently underperformed, uh, there was a sense that some of those people were rewarded. And he made a few examples there. And on the other, I guess, cited other examples where, you know, uh, uh, chairpersons of boards were trying to marshal portfolio committees and others mm-hmm. uh, to try and alert them to what was happening. So it does seem that clearly a lot had happened and uh, a lot had come to the attention of the president. So, you know, the, the, the ANC itself has been saying, um, has been making these utterances over the last year or year and a half, stating that SOEs need to be restructured and restabilized. Um, stating that they need to be able to make some more quantitative and qualitative contributions and inputs to the transformation and to the expansion of the economy. Um, and, of course, also making noise around um, removing corrupt elements from these straight structure, state structures and so forth. Um, and, I mean, these, have been, these, these, these remarks were recently made by no less than um, Braes Mahashule, um, and I think that that that, that in, in and of itself poses its own dilemmas. So not only is the SOE, uh, SOEs as a as a as a as a as a an idea facing a massive reputational risk and and deficit right now um, in South African eyes, but they're also really part of an an intergenerational slush fund and a slush a slush entity. Because remember that SOEs have always I. Uh, they have always been about nepotic yeah, party political preferences. Exactly. So and remember mm-hmm. that the SOEs were not even built per se um, around film, per se economics. They were also mm-hmm. created around um, inventing an African middle class, an African yes. professional class. This was where you could send little Yanni, little Jacob, um, <laughs> you know, just dump him at Janelle, dump him Kai Kai. So I think that, you know, when we look at the DNA of where these SOEs, they're not 
<laughs> they're not behaving differently than yeah. they ever had. But I think the problem is, of course, is that the ANC should and could have done much more to significantly transform them into a mm. sort of um, into into the sorts of entities which would have been able to be sure. to, to to be status in terms of commanding the economy, and that they haven't mm. ma- managed to do. What they have managed to do is really. Create, them, create a reputation as, as them being a dumping ground for some of the more problematic children um, that, mm. that perhaps yes. have not been given ambassadorships. And I think that's very unfortunate. And it is, of course, a discredit to the very important functioning of the economy that entities like the econ- like ESCOM, like mm. Telcom, like Transnet, you know, really key to mo- get, keeping us moving economically, yeah. financially, our energy, our energy dividend and so forth. Um, it's really, it's really, really regrettable that much less attention is paid and is is paid to making those extremely viable, vibrant entities. Yeah, and uh, we certainly, least of all for a self-professed developmental state, uh, would have uh, expected so much more by way of yeah. uh, the reconfiguration of some of these entities. Uh, you know, uh, least of all by, I guess, a, a progressive government. But we'll have to leave it there. Mele Mohang, mm. as always, a pleasure catching up with you. I know you're also going to be on one of our other platforms here at The Public Broadcaster. So uh, mm-hmm. certainly would encourage people to uh, catch you there on Channel 404. But thank you very much for your time. Thanks so much, Aya. Mele Mohang, Peko is a political...